This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hey. Welcome to another episode of Making Shift Happen. First of all, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I am endlessly grateful for you and just you're lending an ear to my episodes. And seriously, I really, really would love it if you could leave a five-star review. Subscribe if you haven't already. Give me some feedback. I would love to know how I can make this better or if you have any uh, ideas on who I can interview in the future. I would love that because this is as much your podcast as it is mine. I'm just the one that's creating it for you, okay? Anyways, on that note, we're talking about self-care today. Self-care, it's this elusive term, but today I'm going to mix it up a little bit because I want to really implicitly outline how self-care isn't only about the self, all right? It is about so much more than that, and you know... Like I said a moment ago, self-care, quote-unquote self-care, can be very elusive. To me, it can sometimes be, you know, grouped together with the the, the terms mindfulness or, you know, other words that we, we hear tossed around a lot, but we don't necessarily know truly what it means or haven't even really thought about what it means to us, to you, to ourselves, all right? And I want to go ahead and, and full-on make an assault towards the term and the sentence that I hear so frequently with people talking about this is that quote unquote self-care is selfish. And I really want to admonish this statement because it is not something that I want to have or for you to have in your vocabulary, thinking that self-care is selfish because time on your, on yourself or working on yourself or improving some aspect of your life is selfish. And I personally can't think of anything further from the truth. You know, to me, self-care is something that actually helps you be more present in your life, yes, but also with your connections, with those people who are in your life, whether it's romantic or platonic or work-related relationship. You know, to me, that's not selfish at all. It It's how you can feel more connected to those around you. And and to me, how can that be selfish? You improving your connection to others in your life, your parent, your siblings, your family, your chosen family, your closest friends, your co- closest colleagues, you know, people that you interact on a daily basis, whether it's the grocery store attendant or someone, your door person if you have one, if you live in an apartment, you know, whatever it is for you, you know, the people that you're commonly in, interacting with, how is your relationship with these people? Are you fully present or are all you, are you staring at your phone while you interact with these people? You know, just the other night, Erin and I went out to dinner and I couldn't help but notice almost hundred percent of the tables around me had one or two members at the table looking at their phone. And, you know, I I really do try not to judge. I really do. But I couldn't, it just made me pause. I couldn't help but think, what the hell? Like, is there, is there a conversation just not engaging enough? Like, what is going on? Why are, is one party or at least both parties or sometimes all parties at the table 
holding a phone and staring at it instead of interacting with someone. I found that kind of interesting. You know, I know the couple that was next to us, they're in the process of buying a house. So they were actually looking at the homes that their real estate agent, you know, had sent them. So I, I knew what their story was, but I couldn't help but kind of put together a story just in my imagination of those tables that were, you know, other than that couple that were around us. And it just was mind boggling, mind boggling. So anyways, I'm going to go on a tangent and I apologize, but I'm bringing it back and I want to talk about self-care, you know, first of all, how the hell do you define self-care? Really? I'm asking you this, the listener, how do you define self-care? I'll give you some examples from listeners and people in my circle who follow me on Instagram. I posted this and had several uh, folks give me feedback on, on how they define self-care. I'm not going to list everyone, but these are the ones that I really loved here. I loved all of them. Let me take that back. I loved all of them. These are the ones that I kind of narrowed down because it really helped summarize what other people were saying. So don't feel left out if I didn't call your name. Um, Annette, Annette from Norway said that it's doing something that fills up my energy levels and something that brings joy to my life. Here, here, Annette. And Cass said that it's doing something that makes me feel less stress. Sometimes it's tea, sometimes it's a chore. I want to go ahead and, and just have you mem- have you remember that. Sometimes it's tea, sometimes it's a chore. I think that's going to be the mantra for me going forward, Cass. But this is something for you all as listeners to keep in mind because I'm going to come back to that. Brian said it's sleep, lots and lots of sleep. Hey, I, I hear you, Brian. I'm working on that one. Mia defined it as saying no to plans so I can be alone or make space to do something that I want to do. Here, here, Mia. I totally agree with that one. And I, I personally am all about saying no. And we'll, again, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, to me, I personally, I agree with all of these definitions, okay? They do add nuance to the overarching definition of quote unquote self-care, right? Now, I personally define self-care as being an action that you take in order to reduce your perception of stress or overwhelm. It usually includes something that brings you joy or helps reduce your overall feeling of stress just in general, okay? Of course, that's very fairly generic definition of self-care, but keep in mind that the definition of self-care is yours to make, you know? Though I'm not here to tell you what it is and isn't for you, all right? That is, again, that's your decision and your it's up to you and what you prefer when it comes to self-care. And, and it's up to your, your perception because your perception of stress and overwhelm is going to be different than mine. And it's going to be different than other people in your circle, whether you believe it or not, could be even different than your partner in life, your parent, you know, whatever it is. And that's the cool part. That's what makes us so unique. Right. And I find that, that intriguing. All right. So take a moment, think about what your definition of self-care is. If any of these things that I outlined below or just a moment ago, rather, really speaks to you, then yeah, maybe sit with it, capture it, rewind it, listen to it again and and hear other people's definitions and then come up with a definition of your own. Now I will go ahead and say there are eight areas of self-care. Now, some researchers will of course claim that there are about three to five areas, but really those are just a reduced set of areas that actually include the following areas that I'm going to go ahead and outline for you. Okay. So first and foremost, physical, psychological or mental, that's kind of grouped together. Next is emotional for number three, four, social, 
five professional or also uh, recreational, six environmental, seven is spiritual, and eight is financial. So these can ultimately be grouped together for the, for the most part into mental, physical, social, and spiritual more or less. All right. So you kind of have those, those four main buckets, but even boiling them, those eight areas down into those four categories still leaves off some crucial things to consider like professional and financial and recreational and things like that. Now I will go ahead and say, I'm going to dive into each one separately. And, you know, for the next few minutes, we'll, we'll kind of talk about what this looks like and what this feels like separately. But please know that you're not limited by these things, all right? But this just gives you a little bit of an idea in terms of categories, all right? All right, so first things first, physical. So physical is usually seen as the most important overall since, quite honestly, like when you lack in your physical well-being or, or physical self, that can impact how the other areas of self-care are taken are taken care of, all right? So physical can be really anything, you know, eating healthfully, eating a good meal, getting some solid sleep, um, you know, even just bathing yourself, taking care of yourself, whatever it is for you. Physical can also be, you know, exercising, going for a bike ride like many of you, but I'm just kind of overarching, just giving you a few examples of what include is it, what, what's kind of included in each category, as well as what category it kind of covers, what things this category covers, right? So second one is psychological or mental, and that includes ways that you can develop a growth mindset or critical thinking on top of your mental health care. All right. So this can include things such as learning a new language, which is really awesome to know, uh, playing chess or maybe like some sort of other strategic game like risk or something like that. Uh, I'm a real big fan on, of, uh, what the hell is it called? Mastermind. Oh my gosh. My brother and I used to play mastermind so much when we were growing up. Um, you know, even battleship too, like that, a little bit of strategy, uh, just things like that. Like, it's really good to kind of exercise that crossword puzzles. Sudoku. I always F that up. Sudoku, Sudoku, I think. God damn it. Anyways, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, social media detoxes can also be included in this just because it's good sometimes for a lot of mental health purposes. Journaling, gratitude practice, and things like that can also be in this category. But what you're going to notice is that those things can also be included in some of these other categories, which is really cool. So it's kind of a two-for-one or sometimes even a three-for-one when it comes to certain acts of self-care. All right, third one, emotional self-care, which I know you're probably like, hold on, hit pause for a second, Jen. You just talked about psychology, psychological or mental, you know, self-care category. What? There's an emotional one on top of that. Like, isn't emotional also psychological or mental? Yes and no. You know, emotions are a little bit different on in terms of like how you actually act out on your emotions and, and whatnot. But emotional self-care is your way of understanding your own emotions and feelings and how you process things overall. So this is when therapy can come in really handy. Uh, but again, therapy can also help with the previous category like psychological or mental health. And, you know... Emotional, this category of emotional self-care can include things, again, like journaling, practicing self-love and affirmations, uh, setting boundaries, whatever it is. Again, this is flexible. This is just me giving you a couple of ideas so that way you can kind of start to think about these different categories differently, all right? Fourth is social. And to me, social is incredibly 
important. It's, it's crucial because as a human, we really thrive when we are in a shared space with people. Now, of course, if you're an extrovert versus introvert or somewhere in between, that will of course vary in terms of your degree. But even if you're an introvert, you do really need to have some strong connections, even if it's just a handful or a couple in your life, because that is really going to enhance your overall health. You know, time and time again, research studies have shown that longevity is impacted by your ability to have just a handful of close relationships or friendships. And I think, you know, we've obviously experienced this shared collective, you know, we've experienced this together over the last couple of years with the pandemic, especially when we were in initial quarantine and shutdown and things like that. We all kind of, you know, for the most part, went solo. We went inwards. We didn't really, you know, uh, interact with a bunch of people. And we, I don't know about you, I can clear as day, think about what that felt like and how that felt, you know, those first few weeks. And because I'm an extrovert, but I do have introvert tendencies. So I'm an extrovert, but I need to recharge myself. And I also love time by myself. And even with that, I still needed that time, that interaction with other people. Okay. And I don't know about you all, but I was socially awkward AF when I finally went back to the gym or whatever. Like I was just like, I don't, I don't remember how to have conversations with people in person. Like, am I too close? Am I, cause I, I kind of, I don't have like a ton of personal space issues. So I kind of talk a little close. Um, I know this about me. I'm working on it, but you know, it was just kind of weird. It was just weird when I went back to the gym, but please know your social self-care is really important. Um, this can also include things like limiting time with negative influences or negative people that just might infect your space emotionally and physically, uh, you know, kind of limiting your time with that. But then while also increasing time with those who really bring you joy or understanding or a lending ear or a listening ear, or when you have a health issue, those people that come and actually help you, uh, your true friends are the people that will actually help you, you know, move or take you to the airport if they're available, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, I think other things obviously classify true friends as true friends, but I always joke that, you know, those are the couple of things that will really show you who some good friends are in your life. <laughs> um, but yeah, make an effort to have some close relationships with others. You don't need dozens of close friends. You just need a handful, like even just a couple. Um, but you know, have those people in your life that you can pretty much share, share things with. Um, another thing when it comes to social self-care, this can also include spending time with others that doesn't include any distractions. So that's the key here. You can spend time with others, but if you've all got your phone out on the table, what the hell is that doing? Get your phone, put it away, spend some time conversing. You already stare at a screen when you're not with friends. So like, why are you going to stare at a screen when you're with your friends? I don't know. I don't get it. Anyways, uh, if you have insight on this, please let me know. I get it too. If you're trying to decide on a trail or something, or like you're trying to decide on what to do tomorrow with your friends. Yeah, I get having your phone out. But like literally these people had their phone out like almost the whole dinner, even while they were eating. It was, it was impressive. Uh, anyways. Okay. So fifth category here professional and recreational. I went ahead and grouped these together, but this is basically going to take care of your wor working self-care in your vocation, as well as what you do for acts of fun and, and just enjoyment in general. You have to do something fun that brings you joy, period. All right. Because then if you don't, you're just going to be bumming along and you're not going to enjoy anything. And you're going to feel kind of down 
and you're going to start acting like Eeyore. And that's totally fine. We're allowed to be sad and depressed, but take the action and, and try to encourage some hobbies in your life that bring you some semblance of joy. All right. This can also include, include things like forging even strong bonds with your coworkers or being in an environment that's not hostile for you when it comes to your vocation, because some environments are maybe not the best. And we're going to talk about environment next, because again, a lot of these overlap, but working someplace or doing something that, you know, brings you respect and makes you feel like you're heard is really important. All right. The sixth category here is environmental and environmental dictates the environment that you're in period. Uh, it can include having a clean area or a space that's free of clutter or distraction. Um, or it can also be you taking yourself out of an, in a space that might be distracting and maybe going someplace that might still be distracting to some people, but encourages really good work like coffee shops. For me, it's coffee shops. I work at a coffee shop or at the gym upstairs in the gym which is very loud environment, at least one to two days a week. And the reason for that is because I actually thrive in those type of environments because I'm feeding off somebody's energy. I'm also a little caffeinated maybe, Uh, but it's just different than me working at home. All right. Of course, I don't take client calls when I'm in a busy coffee shop or anything because people don't need to be hearing the private conversations, but I will start to do some writing and creating and things like that. Uh, posting on social media, I'll do that a lot from a coffee shop. Just anything that, that requires me to kind of just put in my earbuds, zone out, and do the damn work. All right, seventh category here is spiritual. This is one of my faves, uh, but spiritual ways of self-care involve things that more or less fuel your soul. Uh, it's just kind of like a hippy-dippy type of definition, and for that, I do not apologize. But, you know, it maybe even it could include that something that gives you purpose in life. I'm having a hard time with words today. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just something that is important to you, whether that is a religion or a spiritual practice, totally up to you. But this can include your form of worship. It can also include your form of prayer, meditation, breath work, yoga, things like that, that make you feel more connected to the world around you. All right. Uh, again, this can kind of go hand in hand with environmental and social you be the judge. Last but not least, definitely not least, is financial. And financial includes ways that you can foster a healthy relationship with money. I don't know about you, but I personally have a horrible history with money. When I was in my like late teens, early 20s, I got into a massive amount of debt. We are, and this wasn't even school debt, by the way, not even school debt. Uh, this was just debt from me being in a relationship. Unfortunately, that was toxic at the time. I was 18. I didn't know any better. Um, I knew better. No, let me rephrase that. I knew better, but at the time my partner needed attention, you know, mental health attention. And I happened to be there, but unfortunately I was the one that was footing the bills. So took on a lot of debt at 18 to 20, um, managed to get myself out of that debt by like late 20s, early 30s. I'd actually have to look at my notes, but you know, it was dozens and dozens of thousands of dollars and managed to get out of debt as well as get out of my school debt. But because of that experience early on in life, I just am kind of a little bit reserved 
around like high dollar purchases, around certain things when it comes to financial. So please know when I talk about financial, I'm talking from a place of experience of having been in major debt. You know, now I'm at the point where, yeah, I'm, I'm not in that place. You know, my current debt is my mortgage. And even that isn't that bad because we had a considerable down payment, but it's because I had to, I'm, and I'm still working on it. I had to change my relationship with money because it was more of a fleeting, uh, you know, just scarcity and scary mindset around money versus thinking about things in terms of abundance and just trying to save and trying to be particular with things and have a budget. So for this, it might look different for you than me, you know, depending on your financial security. All right. So yes, it can all, it can mean fostering a healthy relationship with money, but it can also include things such as investing or saving some money each month, putting things on auto pay. So you don't have to worry about them, you know, every single month. And then, you know, having that minimum balance paid on top of, you know, whatever you can obviously do beyond that. Um, having a budget so that way you're not feeling as stressed or you feel like you have a plan. And I know numbers can be very scary for people, but having a budget and having a plan can do wonders with alleviating some of that stress. And that is why it's a form of self-care. Now, of course, I do understand that, you know, your privilege and your, the way that you were raised is going to be different and where you live, it's going to be different. You know, that those things will impact your environment. For example, maybe you're not comfortable going for a walk late at night in your neighborhood. Completely understand that. So please know that these are just kind of a, a range of things, a range of categories here, but your reality in the midst of each of these particular categories is going to change. So please know, I acknowledge that, I see that, I hear that, and I feel it. Um, but let me give you a lengthy list of just some ideas on things that you can do for self-care. This is not all-inclusive, but it'll at least give you some ideas based on those categories that we just talked about, okay? First things first, optimal sleep eating well, getting out in nature or going for a hike. You know, the Japanese, they practice this, this act of forest bathing. All right. And I think it's called like a Shinrin, no, no, Shinrin Yoku, Shinrin Yoku. uh, Oh my gosh. And I have like a few clients who study Japanese to those clients who do study Japanese. If I really messed that up, let me know, please know. Let me know. I'm not even going to Google it right now because I don't even want you to hear my, my tippy taps on my key, keyboard, but I'm pretty sure it's Shinrin Yoku. Um, but yeah, Japanese art of forest bathing. Look that up. It's a really cool concept uh, of a way for you to get out in nature, get on your favorite trail, be surrounded by nature, and then really just take it in. It's a form of meditation. It's really awesome. It's a nice movement type of meditation too. If, you, if you're not the type that's like, uh-uh, Jen, I cannot sit on a cushion and, you know, do some mantras or, or make my, my brain empty, which that's not the point of meditation anyways. It's practically impossible to have your brain be empty. Um, but movement meditation sometimes works for people. And it can also work for people who might get anxious while doing breath work or meditation, right? Now, uh, besides, of course, meditation, breath work, there's yoga, stretching, mobilizing, going for a simple walk just around the neighborhood or around your place of work, uh, going to the park, going for a bike ride or run. And of course, I got countless folks like Shawnee, for example. Thanks. Thanks for your input here. Uh, Shawnee and Sean. I know it's kind of funny. I can't even make that up. But yes, they have similar names. Two different people. They both mentioned how bike rides and bikes just generally speaking are their forms of self-care. And I bet that's probably very relatable to you who's listening right now. Uh, One of my favorite ways to allow some self-care 
and manage some stress is doodling, you know, painting, sketching, drawing, taking photos, doing something artistic to you, maybe playing an instrument, listening to music. I'm also a big fan of Zen tangles, which is kind of like a way to doodle. And it's, it's kind of a cool thing. You can look it up online, but Zen tangles, and there's actually like free templates that you can, you know, download and print online, which is pretty cool. Uh, working out, getting massage, getting a mani-pedi, taking a shower or bath, um, making a particular meal, like with a recipe or ingredients or with your partner or friend or whatever, going out with friends or doing something social, gardening or watering your plants in your house. Don't forget to water your plants and don't forget to water yourself. You know, on that note, I'm going to add like hydration, hydrating yourself, taking some electrolytes, doing whatever you need to kind of stay at the top of your game. Uh, listening to your favorite music, dancing, journaling, reading, making a cup of tea or one or unwinding over a beverage of choice. I know listener Mackenzie, she mentioned that self-care is lounging out in the sun with a cold beer in her hand. And I love that. You know, of course it can be any drink that you like. If you're of course non-alcoholic, you know, just insert whatever, whatever drink you need. And I'm getting emphatic and I'm swinging my hand. So I'm hitting the microphone. I apologize. And then uh, the last bullet I included here is taking things like CBD, maybe even THC or some sort of plant medicine that works for you. I'm not here to judge. And after my own extensive research on plant medicine over the years, I am all for the use of plant medicine personally, as it is deemed fit for you. All right. It's not for everyone, especially considering any medications that you might be on that will have contraindications or ill effects or adverse effects. You know, example, it would be lithium, for example. You, you know, if you're on lithium, that can limit what type of plant medicine you partake in. So just one of many examples, obviously, talk to your doctor, talk to your pharmacist, see if there's any interactions. But, you know, especially if you're doing these under the care of someone and, I feel like those journeys can be very resourceful and useful for people. You know, my mind has been expanded to that. Uh, And again, we're doing more and more research right now because we need to do more research on these things. But the research is already, it's pretty damn good (laughs) when it comes to these. Uh, Now, of course, I understand these are not for everyone, especially if you do have dependency issues from the past. I get it. I respect that. But please know that this can also work wonders, literal wonders for people, all right? Now, on top of that, I do want to include that other ways self-care may look or seem a little atypical can include, you know, things like taking your prescribed medication for your health. You know, if you have diabetes, for example, taking your medication that can actually enhance your health and manage manage your health for you. Uh, supplementing your diet if you, if you need to, according to your medical professional, you know, managing your chronic condition or disease that might require certain foods or medications or attention to your overall rest and recovery, especially if you have an autoimmune illness or things like that. You know, those are things that just are going to require a little bit more attention. On that note, I wanted to go ahead and share, you know, there was a statement that I I heard recently from a more of a quote unquote natural medicine practitioner. um, And it really resonated with me. And he said, you know, eating the foods that your body doesn't agree with or that don't agree with your body is definitely not a form of self-care. You know, it's, it's almost like being in an abusive or toxic relationship and you're allowing that abuser or toxic individual into your life perpetually on a daily basis. If you're eating those, those things that aggravate you 
on a daily basis. So it kind of created pause for me because I do know a lot of listeners do have autoimmune illnesses. You know, even for me, I'm kind of working on some things personally uh, that I'm going through with my own diet based on, you know, having COVID back in February, it just kind of flared some things up. So it's important to recognize that not eating those things, it, it sure, it's, it's a, it's you taking those things away from your diet, right? And that can feel, you know, a little, you know, a little down, right? It's a little sad, especially for me because it's dairy and I freaking love dairy. However, in keeping those things in your, in your life is not a form of self-care, right? It's not going to be a positive thing for you. So just, I don't know, what he said just really resonated with me and it really stuck with me uh, because there are moments where I'm like, damn it, I don't have any cheats. Um, And it makes me sad. But anyways, but I am starting to include some cheese in and I'm fine, which is really exciting. Am I going to be drinking a whole big glass of milk, you know, tomorrow? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Thanks for asking. Um, But ultimately, ultimately, many of these acts of self-care are interchangeable, as you can see, and they can address several areas of self-care all at once. So remember that self-care should feel good to you. You should enjoy it. Or it should be, it should be something that you know that helps you reduce your overall stress, or brings you joy, and it may look different to you versus your friends, and that is okay. So remember that the more that you can care for yourself in small moments in your day, the more that you will feel rested and better able to take on the stressors in life that will inevitably pop up because it's life, you know. And, and self care isn't just about your well being but it can impact the way that you show up in the other areas of your life and with the other people who are important to you in your life. So how often do you have to do self-care? You know, this is something that I polled on Instagram. And when I posted the poll on Instagram, out of about 100 responses, which thank you to everyone who voted, I really appreciate it. But out of those 100 responses, a majority voted that they do their self-care, whatever it is for them, on a daily basis. Then about 25% voted that they do it weekly, 5% voted monthly, and then 5% voted that they don't do anything at all. And looking at these results, I can only assume that folks voted that they don't, that, that they do it monthly or not at all because they may not have realized that, that even eating well or moving your body intentionally can also be considered self-care. So there's there's such a broad definition of self-care. And again, this is this is up to you. So I bet Many of you do some form of self-care on a daily basis without even realizing it, or at least a weekly basis without even realizing it. So I hope that this episode helps shed some light on ways that you can care for yourself without a great deal of effort as you might think self-care needs to be, okay? Lastly, consider things that your present day self can do that will benefit your future self. You know, things like filling your gas tank the night before. If you know you have an early morning the next day, or it might make you run a little late the next day, great, fill your gas tank the night before. Or putting things on auto pay like I talked about a moment ago, you know, um, or paying your taxes quarterly, especially if you're a small business owner. I mean, technically, I think you have to. But, you know, doing things like that, that can really make your future self feel better. You know, saving $25 a week or saving $25 a month, whatever you're capable of doing. Things that will, you know, kind of add to your, to the self-care of your future health, your future self, all right? Now, to Mia's point earlier, you know, when she mentioned, hey, having the ability to say, say no to certain things, 
this is incredibly important. So while I do want you to say yes to a lot of the things that, that I talked about in terms of your physical self, mental health, and things like that, I do want you to find the bandwidth to say no to those people who might not serve you really well, or who might not bring you as much joy, or who might have a ne- little bit more of a negative influence in your life. You know, saying no to those people and saying no to things that, that might just put a little too much pressure on your schedule or yourself is important. So find the space and figure out what is important to you and what's crucial to you and say no to those things that are not going to enhance that. All right. Especially if you're able to just, I'm going to leave you with this thought. Just because you have the ability to fit something into your schedule and you have quote unquote, the free time doesn't mean that you have to say yes to these things. All right. Just because you have the time available does not mean you have to say yes to these things. If you're asked, you have to check in with yourself. It is okay to schedule in rest. It is okay to not say yes to every damn thing. All right. I know. And I'm, trust me, I'm saying that from a place of love because I have to check in with myself constantly. All right. Um, but I leave you with this. What is something that you will do this week for a few minutes a day, just a few minutes a day. It can only take like maybe one to five minutes. Give yourself that and think about that. You know, what is something that you, you want to do? Pause on that, reflect on that, make it happen. All right. Thanks for listening, friend. I am so grateful for you. And I hope this episode resonated with you. If it did, I'd again, I'd love your five-star review or subscribe to this podcast if you're not already or share it on your social media, tag me at shift human performance. So that way I can see it, give you a high five and a little virtual hug. And on that note, I will see you next week. You beautiful, beautiful human.